Welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. To find out more and to become a member, visit PCAPainted.org. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all of you non-members out there, sign up for a free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the App Store and Google Play. This episode is brought to you by Bear and Federated Insurance. Welcome to the Painter Marketing Mastermind Podcast, a show created to help painting company owners build a thriving painting business that does well over $1 million in annual revenue. I'm your host, Brandon Pierpont, founder of Painter Marketing Pros and creator of the popular PCA educational series, Learn, Do, Grow, Marketing for Painters. In each episode, I'll be sharing proven tips, strategies, and processes from leading experts in the industry on how they found success in their painting business. We will be interviewing owners of the most successful painting companies in North America and learning from their experiences. In this series titled The Commercial Couple, Maggie and Matt Kuyper of Harpeth Painting will be discussing how they built a successful commercial painting company together, advice they have regarding married couples working together, And finally, specific thoughts on female entrepreneurship and empowerment within the trades. In episode one, Maggie and Matt discussed the different kinds of commercial work and how to choose your niche. In episode two, they talked about how to break into commercial painting now that you know your niche. In episode three, Maggie and Matt dived into completing the work successfully after you have landed your first commercial painting project. In episode four, they discussed how to decide whether or not working together with your partner is a good fit for your life. In episode five, Maggie and Matt laid out how to identify the superpowers of each partner and how to effectively work together. And in episode six, the final episode, this episode, Maggie will be discussing female entrepreneurship and empowerment in the trades. If you want to ask Maggie or Matt questions related to anything in this podcast series, you can do so on our exclusive Painter Marketing Mastermind podcast forum on Facebook. Just search for Painter Marketing Mastermind podcast forum on Facebook and request to join the group or type in the URL facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash painter marketing mastermind. Again, that URL is facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash painter marketing mastermind. There you can ask Maggie or Matt questions directly by tagging them with your question. So you can see how anything discussed here applies to your particular painting company. Hey Maggie. What's up? So we're dropping Matt off. Yeah. Now now we can talk real, real business, real stuff. (laughs) Now we can talk about him. Now we can talk about him. Yeah. (laughs) So female empowerment within the trades let's let's kind of start from and i know we and i'm just going to go ahead and say it right right now so we just kind of set it set the the framework for everyone because it might seem kind of awkward we are filming episode six before episode five so even though the series this ends with this episode just the way that the filming worked out with matt you know kind of trying to ruin everything with his cancer and all that stuff we had to switch the order a little bit so that the being number said, of things in my life I've had to move around because of cancer boy. This guy, the nerve on this guy. So that being said, let's get into your role, your position within Harpeth Painting, kind of how that came to be um, so we can dive into your perspective on really female empowerment within the trades. Cool. Yeah. So as of 2023, I took on the role of CEO of Harpeth Painting. Um, I came out at kicking and screaming. <laughs> Whose idea was it? Um, 
it's it it is all of our ideas it is the right thing um it is not something that um he put on me and it's not something that uh anyone else said it's the more we laid out everything that we were doing in the company and our superpowers and gifts and talents it was like yep that's me (laughs) (laughs) that's interesting you know and it's funny because um Titles don't mean anything, especially when you own your own business, especially when you're in a small business, especially when you own the business. I could call myself whatever I want. It's, you know, it's a magistrate of her. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a whiteboard in my office where we jotted things down. And, you know, of course, we include the lawyer because there are certain words that matter in court when when given job descriptions. But all that to say, um, I run the company. Um, Matt and I are an advisory board. We're, you know, the, the leadership team that, that oversees the, the company, but the day to day, the, um, push comes to shove, the accountability all, uh, moves its way up the ladder to me. So the, was Matt the CEO before? No, he was the principal. You guys didn't have a CEO? Nope. Okay. What was your title before? Uh, I think my email signature said owner and manager. Okay. <laughs> owner manager now official CEO. When you're at $9 million, you, you start to professionalize and be like, you know what? Let's, let's come up. Yeah. With real I, think nine, I think I think $9 million warrants a CEO. <laughs> it's about that. It's about that time, you know, figure out who's, who's in that seat and your CEO. So what was the, and I know episode five, we're going to talk a lot about this, but just briefly very quickly, what, I guess, what were the characteristics of you or the, the job description that made it like, okay, yes, I'm obviously that person. I need to take this role. So my background is coaching and teaching. Um, my most recent professional role other than stay at home mom, which I was for a while, um, was a high school athletic director. And so at a, you know, decent sized school. So uh, my gift and talent that I bring has always been around that, which is managing people, um, managing leaders, right? I'm not the one coaching the soccer team, but I'm doing everything I can to support the soccer coach. And every time we leaned into that, I loved that job. I thrived in that job. I was my greatest self when I was in that job. And so we just kept leaning into how can we, how can we morph my role in the company? Because, and I think this is especially uh, probably resounding to the women listening is um, if I'm going to, if I'm going to be working, if I'm going to be spending additional energy outside of the natural roles of a wife, mom, and um, female in a family, I want to love it. And it needs to be life-giving for me. And when I was selling and managing work, when we were smaller, I had to, we didn't have salespeople and PMs. Um, I hated it. I was miserable. I, I went up to one of um, Nick Slavic's retreat in Minnesota and I literally wrote on the marker board, I hate my job. I love my company. I love working with my husband. I love everything that Harvard painting is. Um, but I'm a, 
approaching 40 year old woman with three kids um, in the middle of their five, eight and 12. So we're like doing life right now. And hating your job is a really bad place to be emotionally and physically for a woman. We are not created with that same uh, grind that the man is to just hunt, right? Men are innately made to hunt. Um, And it just, it was destroying me. And so I was like, I've got to figure this out or I'm not going to be the mom and the wife and the friend and the daughter and all the things that I am. I'm not going to be able to be that. Man, that's awesome. So you gave me a lot of stuff, Maggie. Yeah. Right, writing stuff I went, down here. I went deep, like four minutes in. Real fast. Yeah, you went <laughs> really deep. I want to put a caveat out there just for everyone listening. We are going to dive into some stuff that might, you know, different people have different schools of thoughts on how to run a family, on, on you know, the roles between um, men and women or whatever you think about that. So the views expressed here are going to be ours because I do want to be able to be really transparent, have a deep conversation. If it offends you, I'm sorry in advance, but we're going to have, we're going to, we're going to share some thoughts, get Maggie's real perspective here. So you said some really interesting stuff. The first thing you said that I really, really uh, found fascinating and, and that I liked was a stay at home mom. You said it, it was, you called it a professional role, which I yeah. think was really cool. I was a gender studies minor. Oh, cool. When I went to school. Yeah. Not a lot of people know that. So I mainly joined because there were a lot of girls in it, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> but then I ended up learning a lot. So and you're so smart. I ended up picking up a whole lot about about the role of a mom. Obviously, we have kids now. I see that role. But how there was talks about divorce proceedings and, you know, well, she hasn't worked. He made all the money. But how how did he make the money, you know, because of she was actually doing more work. So the calling out a professional role, I think, was was apt and interesting. And I don't think many people view it that way. No. And I don't know that every mom who stays home full-time views it that way. Um, But it's, I mean, that's, there's no negotiation for me there. Shoot me an email or text me, call me, come to my front door if you want to have that argument. But (laughs) um, somebody who's taking care of the home. And and I watch women, I have a a lot, I play tennis and 80% of my tennis team is stay-at-home moms who play tennis while their kids are at school. And I watch the half of them carry this guilt that they're doing something for them in the middle of the day while their kids are at school. Like, how dare I, you know, play tennis for three hours? I should, I should be doing X. I should be doing Y. Not all of them, but it's like, you know, nobody says that when they're out having lunch with a coworker for an hour and a half you know, just bonding, networking, right? Like, how's that any different, right? Just because you're not being tangibly productive in the sense of I folded laundry, put laundry away, did the groceries, prepped the meals, you know, handled the budget, whatever your tasks are. um, If you're not doing those things, that doesn't mean you're not being, you're not in your role, right? Yeah. And ultimately you have to you know, my wife and I have had a lot of discussions about this and it sounds selfish. It sounds wrong when you say it, but if your kids come first, then they sort of end up coming last, right? You have to actually take care of yourself first, which sounds yeah. super selfish. You have to take yeah. care of yourself first. Then you can take care of your partner and yeah. then you can take care of your kids. If you try to mess up that order, you mess everything up. 
Yeah. You can't pour and that, from an And that looks different to your to your disclaimer before. That looks different for every family. Sure. I mean, shoot, I have friends whose kids are in school full time. They stay home. They play tennis. They also have nannies and Instacart, their groceries, and you know, and, and, and. But that's not our place to judge. Sure. Okay. Right. Like that's, you know, whatever families decide. And I would love, that's great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Does I'm awesome. up for that, but also, you know, we just, it's, but yes, it, it, it is a professional career. It is. Um, I, I worked at a Catholic school and I actually, um, when I was a stay at home mom had, which was after I taught at that school, they permitted one of their students to, to shadow me for her internship as a stay-at-home mom, because she was going to go to college. She's going to get a degree, but deep down she knew that she wanted to eventually stay home and take care of her kids, whatever that looked like. And I thought that was so cool that a school approved a girl to shadow a stay-at-home mom for internship. Like, that's awesome. This is going to end up being one of the, one of the, one of the most divisive, I think. I know. (laughs) need to edit this out. No, I think it's great. We're going to be raw and real. And again, everyone, I think as long as you accept that everyone has different approaches and philosophies, it's great. But we're not trying to judge or or say anything to anyone right now. Um, Another thing you said that I thought was really interesting is, okay, you hated the the sales, the estimating. That wasn't for you. It wasn't a fit. And you found that being in in the role of managing leaders, inspiring the CEO type role, that's your, your best self. That's when you could be your best self. And I think that Number one, I, I want to kind of explore for people listening, if they maybe don't know what their best self is, maybe they haven't had the professional experiences that you had, and then they went and did something else. And they found found out, wow, I really, truly hate this. And it, it became obvious to them what their best self is. Maybe they don't have that. How can they find it? Uh, and then number two, I guess the the importance of that in terms of a company, it goes back to this concept of the right people, right seats. You know, you can have the right person driven motivated, great cultural fit, but you put them in the wrong seat and it's just a total disaster. So I guess, how do you find that? How would someone listening and they don't know what their best self is? Mm. How could they try to figure that out? Yeah. Um, that's a, that's a really probably complicated answer that depends on. You're supposed to say, that's a good question. That's what you tell me. It always makes you feel good. I know. And I intentionally thought about it and you you think about it. (laughs) I was like, I'm not going to tell him it's a good question. You didn't want me to make it. It's a horrible question with a complicated answer. (laughs) Terrible question, but I'll do my best. That's a great question, Brandon. The, for me, I can only answer for myself, right? For me, that journey was a process of good friends, um, a very supportive husband and a really good counselor. So when I say that I knew being athletic director was my best self, um, that didn't just like, that wasn't how I led, right? What happened was I got into a pit of waking up anxious to go to work waking up very torn between what I said earlier, which is I love this company. I love working with my husband. I love what we're building, but what I do every day makes my hands sweat and my stomach hurt and, you know, all these, 
all these feelings that I've never had. And so what I did personally was I craved going back to the school that I worked at or going back to a school. I, I just would just, I wish I could, I want to go back to that job. I just, I want to go back to that job. I, I, that like you go back to your safe place. Right. And, and that's kind of what I worked through in counseling. I didn't want to go back to that job logistically. The salary was laughable. The time that I put into it was uh, inappropriate for the family. I mean, I was probably working 70 hours a week. Um, I didn't want to go back to that. And what I realized, you know, in, in talking with close friends and um, spending a lot of money on my counselor's couch was realizing that um, I wanted to go back to feeling like what I did is what I was made to do and what I was good at. And uncovering that had nothing to do with what my title was working at that school. It had nothing to do with that. It had to do with what are my gifts and talents and, and what is, um, what am I, what is strong and natural for me to be able to do with my hands and with my skills and with my tasks. Give me one second, Maggie. I have a prop that I want to pull into this episode. I've never, I've never pulled into prop, maybe the books. You had that look in your eyes. Like you were going to. Yeah. Yeah. Pull I, I've something. pulled in the books before. But I think they're Jason Phillips. He has all these props, so maybe I'm just jealous. Give me one. Okay. So my wife got me this. Yeah, no, nothing to be scared about. My wife got me this. It's going to be hard to see with a virtual background. Hold on. Get comfortable being uncomfortable. Yes. It's a poster. Yes. So it's a little, it's like a little tin sign for the office, get comfortable being uncomfortable. I find that that's kind of my mantra, right? You should go back to the the hunter, whatever, just grind mm-hmm. it out, churn it out. That's kind of what I do is even when I find things that are uncomfortable, that's okay. Just roll up the sleeves and, and barrel through it. Uh, how do you, if you're running a business, how do you know when, Hey, just suck it up buttercup, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's just, Hey, you, mm-hmm. you have to do what you have to do. We, we all read the stuff. We, we hear the inspirational stuff. You know, you got to just plow through and, and do the uncomfortable things and the hard things versus like, Hey, your palms are sweating, your stomach's, you know, hurting. And you're like, you know, I don't, I don't, how do you know when it's suck it up buttercup versus, Hey, maybe I need to make a shift. Cause maybe this isn't actually where my best self lies. And maybe I'm therefore underperforming in this role. Yeah. Um, I did not agree to starting a company to not love what we're doing. And I think that's where, and you've heard me kind of say like what I was doing, which I did for probably a year and a half, I had to do, like I had to sell and manage work. Mm -hmm. We weren't big enough to hire somebody to do it. The number of times Matt saw me um, upset and saw me frustrated, you know, he would always just say, we should need to hire someone. We should need to hire someone, but you know, put the pen to the paper, the numbers weren't there yet. Um, you know, there's all this talk in this industry about growth. And obviously you've heard me speak passionately about it. Um, we've grown to be a very large company, but we didn't do that because we wanted to be bigger. We did that because we wanted to build something that 
is exactly this. It allows us to do what we want to do. That's why we built to the size we are. There are people who love to sell and manage work. And if that was me, we would still be in a two and a half million dollar company because we made a heck of a lot more profit. It was a lot simpler when we were at that size. And, and that's awesome. Like, you know, Matt would have been fine there. You know, there's, there's just a part of it, but that, that wasn't. So I, part of the answer is I wouldn't, I wouldn't be doing this company if I didn't have that freedom, right? The, the, the entrepreneurship journey for us, we went into with the end goal being freedom in, in all types of capacity. Um, at the same time, I think that's where outside perspective helps. I don't think you can intrinsically spiral enough to figure out when it's time to just grind and suck it up and when it's time to actually evaluate what you're doing. And that's where the help of friends, the help of um, a counselor, the help of my husband was able to say, no, like this is beyond just things are hard. I was a college athlete. I know what it means to bust your butt and get uncomfortable and do things that are really hard that you don't always understand the point. Um, But, you know, again, there's, there's a certain point in time where as a college athlete, you learn to step up and say, coach, like this isn't good for us anymore. Like, or, you know, 5am waits during season when we're traveling every weekend for games, like we need to, we need to sleep. We need a break. Like, you know, there's, there's a push and pull sure. of figuring that out. Um, and for me, that's where, cause there was days my counselor was like, you know what? The reality right now is you have to do this. So how, how can we set things up? And that's where, you know, as you heard me mention, it was, that was me discovering tennis. Um, it was okay. You know, the ship's not going to change. You got to keep driving in the direction you're driving, for the next foreseeable future, there's not enough money to hire someone. So what can you do outside of work? How can we structure your schedule? What can we put into your day that is going to allow you to push through this? Yeah. Right? So you found you found an outlet. You found yeah. a way to basically make it work. Tennis is a yeah. great outlet. I play tennis in college, so I'm a big fan of tennis. Oh, man. Let's bring yeah. our rackets to Orlando. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um oh that's cute. No, mom. it's I just don't play. Like tennis, mom tennis, you're no, cute. <laughs> no, we can play. We can play in Orlando. That would be good. Uh I was thinking about how busy I get, you know, like the the <laughs> the business reality and life reality. We can bring the rackets. I'm definitely not gonna play tennis. Not is this the perfect male female thing or what? Like I offered <laughs> something and you were like, Yeah, he he, we can do that. And I was like, Oh. You're insulting me. You don't think I'm good enough yeah. to play with you. And you're like, no, I'm logistically busy. <laughs> this has nothing like, to do with you. I'm, I'm I'm out hunting. I'm like, no, this is a business trip. You're, and you're, <laughs> yeah. To, and yeah, I'm like, that, we, that's a good inter- interaction <laughs> there. That's funny. Um, cool. So yeah, I appreciate you you sharing all that. And then another thing that you said that was interesting, man, this episode is really going to trigger some people, is you talked about the, the that it needs to be life-giving for you. Right. So you have this. Well, let me let me back up. I want to back up. I'm all over the place on this one. So you said that you basically are at the nine million dollar company. I just want to make sure everyone fully understands this because you guys needed that level of scale to be able to hire people to do the projects, the positions that you didn't want to do that Matt maybe didn't want to do to give you guys the freedom to live the life that you want. 
because you didn't want to do the estimating the sales. There was a time when you, you had to, because at a certain revenue level, you just can't afford really at that point to, to pay someone and hire someone to do it. So you built it to a point specifically, so you don't have to do those roles anymore because otherwise, why are you in business in the first place? You're in business for freedom. If you're having to do something and just stay doing it forever, something that you hate, then you really should just go do something else. Is that, did I capture that? I mean, maybe not the last part. You don't have to go do something else. <laughs> okay. Uh, I guess that, that might've been my addition. I guess if, if you're in a business <laughs> and you're finding that, that you're just, there's no plan to leave the part yeah. and you hate the part. Yeah. There's a word my counselor used, and I'm sorry to keep talking about her, but I think that's a huge part of this particular facet of the conversation, but dread. Mm, and she said that word one day and I was like, yes. Like there was a point that I dreaded parts of my job. Sure. And that word to me was like, like, I, yes. If, if somebody listening dreads every single thing about their business and their days, maybe that's not the best thing for them. Maybe, right. I don't know. Um, or maybe it just needs to be looked at. Maybe that person needs to find me at Expo and we can have a long talk about the parts of their business that maybe could get fixed to remove that dread. But um, dread equals something needs to change. Maybe not that they don't need to be in business, but maybe something needs to change. Yeah, yeah, I love that. And if you're if you're dreading everything, then it might be a problem, but there are always going to be things like I'm sure Maggie, there's still things that, Absolutely. You that are probably not, you probably don't enjoy them that much. Absolutely. You yeah. want that list? No, we'll save that for later. <laughs> yeah. So if there are things that you don't like that you find you have to do, it doesn't mean you're necessarily doing the wrong thing, but if everything you do, if your primary job description is something that you dread, then you, you probably at least want to start putting a plan in place in your mind about how you're going to stop doing that eventually. Yeah. Yeah. And then another thing that you had said was that, that if you're going to do this business and you focused on being a female, you said, if you, as a female, as a woman are going to do this business, then it needs to be life-giving to you. Mm -hmm. So here's where things are going to get rocky. Does it need to be life-giving to a man or is it more important for a woman, you know, with kids Mm -hmm. Is there a difference? Does it have, to, is it as important that it be life-giving to Matt? In your opinion, Matt's not here, so we can say whatever we want about him. Is it as important to that it be life-giving to him? Or is it really, hey, in your, again, these are our opinions, everybody, so calm down. Or is it more opinion, more important in your opinion that it be life-giving to you as the mom and the wife in this scenario? Um, I don't know the answer to that. That is truly a great question. <laughs> Thank you. Of, of life. Now I know it's not a crutch phrase. Now I know you intentionally <laughs> said that. Um, I think the goal of, of, of me speaking today is to bring a, to bring a voice of the female perspective to the industry. Yeah. Um, I can't speak on behalf of all women. I sure as heck can't speak on behalf of all humans. I know for a fact, the number of women that I share my life with, whether they're in the paint world or whether they're stay-at-home moms or whether they're professionals in, in their own industry. Um, if you're a mom specifically, there's, there's something that you, Brandon and Matt and every male on this planet can never understand ever. 
And I would argue the same thing of being a wife and whatever that capacity looks like, um, that you will never understand. I will never understand being a husband. I will never Challenge accept it. I should roll up my sleeves until I understand how to be a mom and a wife. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> but you know, point being, um, there's just something about being the one that has the children that your brain carries that differently. Sure. Um, and some women are deeper into that than others naturally. I mean, I think I'm actually pretty, pretty good at, you know, balancing it out with Matt and, um, and, and kind of relieving some of that weight to him and to, to other people. So I don't know the answer. I don't know what you guys carry. Um, I do know that in my household that my tug and my laying awake at night probably is more heavily focused on all the things in our house. (laughs) Um, and that my emotional stability personally needs to be stronger than Matt's Mm -hmm. in, in our relationship. If Matt needs to be grumpy, if Matt needs to fall apart, that's okay. Because at the same time, exactly to your point, Matt needs to show up and keep working, right? Like if, if we all hit rock bottom, like if the world went to plummets and the economy dropped out and it was like, people were throwing swords to get paint jobs. I would expect him to be the one going out and throwing swords, not me. Sure. I'll stay home and and try to make sure that you have food on the table and warm and cozies, you know, and, but that's just us, right. That's our family. And there's a women that are probably listening that are like, yes, us too. And then there's others that are not and men too. So, um, but in our arrangement, I needed to be okay. And it's okay. If Matt's not always okay, he needs to go out and hunt. (laughs) Yeah. I love it. So then we've talked a lot about essentially your perspective as a woman running a big company. It hasn't really been explicitly focused yet on the traits you know, being yep. actually in, in painting. What's your perspective as a as a a very successful female in the trades running, you know, quite a large company, nine million dollar painting company as CEO? What's your perspective of female empowerment within the trades or maybe lack of empowerment? Um I think I can only speak to the painting industry. I think other trades, other service industries, um probably have a little bit more infrastructure. I mean, I know specifically we always refer to the women in roofing, which is a huge um, organization that has elevated women in that particular trade. So at least in the painting world, I find it fascinating um, as an outsider, right? I didn't grow up in the trades. I've never been a painter. I haven't been in construction. I am an outsider. I came into this seven years ago with my husband. I find it fascinating that it took me Facebook messaging some women and saying like, Hey, let's have a zoom happy hour for other women in paint to even create something like (laughs) people have been painting for hundreds of years. Houses have been being built for hundreds of years. And now all of a sudden, because I was like, Hey, let's have a fun zoom happy hour. There's finally like a women in paint platform like kind of seems like it should have been there a long time ago right yeah <laughs> it's crazy to me and and 
I'm not saying that Matt always jokes to me. He's like, when am I going to have my man in paint happy hour? Like <laughs> Every time you go anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Like, Here's my man in paint conference. And like, I'm not trying to belittle the fact that, again, like I said before, that so many men, husband, fathers, you know, have gone out and, and done great things in the paint world. I'm not trying to say like, this is, this, this is a false dichotomy. It's not one or the other. Yeah. Um, I do just find it interesting that it hasn't been a thing. <laughs> like it's crazy. We have girl scouts with boy scouts. Like, <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it was much needed. So the, you being, you know, CEO of this company, do you find maybe there are, are benefits or advantages of being a female? Do you find that maybe yeah. sometimes there are difficulties that you encounter that you wouldn't if you were male? For sure. Um, the difficulties I personally encounter are more because of my lack of experience in the industry. Um, uh, I don't struggle going toe to toe with a guy in regards to money or conflict or sequencing or, you know, these things that are a little bit more like business conversations and like ethereal, like contract negotiation. Mm-hmm. Um, but my my personal struggle just comes from my lack of experience in the trade, which we can add to the list of things that needs to happen, right? Like, what are like we're pushing all kinds of you know esthetician and beauty school for women in high school? Why are we not pushing you know women to the trades? I would have loved to learn some of the things that I didn't learn. Um, what I think we do bring innately, or what I bring, and what I see other women bring is is absolutely needed in this industry. I believe in my core that our success and my team's success, the men and the women on our team is because uh, we bring a different flavor, right? I'm not the same as, as a, as a man. And when I have, so we just painted the house of uh, one of the execs from Ben Moore just bought a house in Nashville and we painted for him. And I think just the fact that he was texting me at seven o'clock on a Thursday night, um, he's not married. And he's like, I just really need to know that this paint color looks good. Like, what is your impression? Like, what did you think about it? You see my decor, you know, like, and he said that he He wasn't asking Matt. He wasn't asking Jose who's standing there with the paintbrush who sees more paint colors than I do. Like, yeah. Secret he lesson after the painters, they know. <laughs> yeah. He trusted your I guess your uh, opinion here more. Yeah. And it's I mean, <laughs> I have a really good guy friend who probably has better design and I than I do. So again, this is not a blanket statement, but there was to your point a comfort level that he knew um he felt and I said to him I was like I think the color looks great. I think you need to sit with it based on the co- d- decor you have. And you need to let yourself adjust to it. And sure enough, a week later, he's like, I love the color, (laughs) you know, not, I don't think he would have had that conversation with one of my male sales guys, you know, I I really don't. No, I do. I I think about myself and it's like, okay, if someone were to ask me that I'm like, all right, here's all the tests that we're going to do. We're going to knock this thing out. We're going to decide in the next 15 minutes, whether this is, (laughs) this is it or whether we need to adjust. And I think at least for me, and maybe this isn't for everybody, I think generally I find that males are, are problem solvers, sort of action takers, and maybe sometimes to a fault. Whereas mm-hmm. your, your approach there was a little bit softer 
I was a little bit, hey, sit with it for a week. That I never in a million years would have proposed that. Sit with it for a week <laughs> and see how you feel. But that's clearly the best answer. There, It's a totally subjective, qualitative thing. There is no test that you're going to run. There's no way to knock this out. You have to figure out if you like the color. And the only way to do that is to spend some time with the color. Yeah. I mean, there's also chromatic adaptation, which is like a neurological science of your eye adapting to color. But like now I just feel again, stupid. You know, that's just <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Maggie. It's just part of it. But no. Um, yeah, it's true. And I think my my team appreciates that. You know, I think there's there's a culture that flows into them. Um, to your to use your word, there's a softness that I think flows into them when they're backed by a women-owned business, when they're backed by mm. a female CEO. It feels less um grunty, like broy, and a little bit more um everybody has a mom. Not everybody was nurtured by their mom, but a lot of people were. Um, I think the people that work for me were. And so there's there's that like safety, right? Like I'm going to bring this home to mom. Like, sure. you know, she's so yeah, it's soft is a really good word um, that I'm not offended by. I just, like, I'm yeah, still I like, some I people are going to not think yeah. that was a good word, but <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm glad you weren't offended by it. So the, Gina, and I wasn't talking Gina women. Cohort, I was Gina saying this Cohort approach in, was soft. Yeah. Gina Cohort out of um, Colorado SBI. She's talking about a badass female in the industry. Yeah, she should 100%. be the one on this podcast, not me. Um, talk about someone that goes toe to toe with the, the big GCs in the world. And she'll be the first to tell you. She's like, you know how I sell these jobs? I take freaking lasagna to the to the job cart, you know, the job trailers. Not because I'm a girl bringing dinner, but because I understand walls go down when we're human, right? And what right. do we what do humans do? We eat. Like we gather, we sit around a table and build relationships. And she's like, I can't tell you how many times change orders have been signed or contracts have been negotiated because I just brought that feminine touch. I'm seeing Matt now in like an apron, bringing a tray of lasagna as he's winning these projects. He gets so pissed when I'm like, you've got to go visit these clients. You've got to go bring them. And he like awkward, like, you know, like a dude carries a purse, like six <laughs> feet out. Far away. Be like, this is, is not it, mine. It, yeah. Uh, like I, I give him these, you know, little goodies to bring to the GC's offices. And it's like, he's like bringing them like here, Bob. <laughs> like what do I do with these coffee mugs? What that's the heck? Great. Come on. That's so great. So for, for, uh, women listening, you know, I, I've seen different businesses, different service businesses, even use a, uh, like a, a tagline along the lines of like a feminine touch, right. Or yeah. things like that. Do you think that's something that is really powerful that women should consider leveraging. They don't have to, but, but is that actually powerful or, or not really? Um, I think it depends on your audience, right? Yeah. Um, I think if we, I think if I use the word feminine touch, I wouldn't get a lot of the jobs that I get because we do a lot of new construction, right? Like, they're not looking for a feminine touch. I turned in a million dollar bid for a high rise with the tagline feminine touch. <laughs> they want it done. Yeah. I'm not quite budget. sure that that's the, the, the marketing tactic for that audience. Right. Yeah. So I think um, that's where we lean into women owned, which of course to them, that means, you know, 
compliance with <laughs> disadvantaged businesses and all those logistics. But sure. um, we choose to innately show that like through our social media to make sure that, you know, we show me or other women that work for our company on jobs, um, female painters that we have, we try to sprinkle it through our messaging and through the visual marketing um, for our audience, as opposed to just like telling people what I think they need to hear about women. Yeah. So we've talked about some of the positives, some of the unique perspective that you bring, or maybe the trust that you're granted or given just because of the fact that you were a woman. How about some of the difficulties that you face? You know, you don't have a problem going toe to toe, but are there other things that you think might be slightly harder or unfair against you because you're a woman and it's just a little bit less normal in this industry? Um, probably <laughs> I always try to think of what's, what's been hard as a woman in the industry. Um, I, I've, I've heard a lot of stories. Um, I hear a lot of women expressing that they feel less respected, particularly by homeowners. Um, I feel they feel, um, you know, just kind of that their expertise might not be, might not be perceived as much as a, as a male competitor, you know, if they're out for a bid. So one of the things, particularly with this women in paint that we've tried to do is, is give a foundation, right? Um, if, if somebody is perceiving that, then what tactics and skills can you learn? Um, what strategies can you have in your back pocket if you start to feel that way, or even God forbid, you know, hear that type of messaging. I think my personality, like I said, has not struggled necessarily with the interpersonal side of being, I mean, I laughed at Tanner Mullins blast off when I, it took someone else sending me a message to be like, did you notice you were the only woman speaking on that panel? And I was like, oh no, I'm used to it. Right. Like, sure, it's just sure. like, I do remember though, my first expo, I was like, what do I wear? <laughs> like, what does a girl wear to expo to a paint contract thing? And that's something we hear all the time on the Facebook groups. Like, what do you guys wear to work? What do you guys wear to paint? Like what painters white do you get? Like, I almost think that there's not one underlying thing. I think there's all these little pockets of ways that that women just aren't fully uh, enveloped into the industry, right? Sure. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, the little day-to-day -day things that you maybe like nuances. Think about. Yeah, yeah, hmm. yeah. Because right, like some women are like, "Well, I just wear leggings to paint," and then other women are like, "I can't wear leggings because the you know husband works from home," and like just all these like it's just this like vicious cycle of. <laughs> yeah, but I feel it too. I mean, you're just like you do have to think about weird little things differently. I do have to think about um, what I put onto work because as as a woman, I think that unfortunately is how we lead, right? Um, not how we lead, but how oftentimes perception is created. Yeah. The initial appearance is maybe more important for females in general than for yeah. males, what you lead and how you present yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So the idea that people and homeowners in particular trust you less, 
view your expertise maybe as lesser than that of of the other people you're competing against who are almost certainly all going to be male estimators who go out there and you know tell you what you need for your project what they're going to do why it's important why this kind of paint's important whatever and then you come and do something similar and they just think well you know does she actually really know and and for better for worse it's because it, it's abnormal in their experience the people who really know construction right. who know you know these kinds of of projects have always been male so when mm -hmm. a female comes it it raises a, a yellow flag we'll call it a red flag yellow flag like hey oh, this is different mm -hmm. is it is it worse maybe mm -hmm. it's better but maybe it's worse and i want to make yeah. sure that the project is gets taken care of so trust is of course the number one most important factor in making these sales if you if you don't have trust then you have to compete on price and now you don't have a good business so you have to have trust to be able to charge premium prices and close projects. How, and you said you're exploring some of this, you're working at, with women in paint on how you can establish this credibility, especially when you see maybe you are in an instance where that credibility seems to be lacking on the part of this, the, the viewpoint of this homeowner. Can you share some of these strategies? Yeah, no, I don't know. We're still working <laughs> yeah, on it. No. <laughs> yes, no. <laughs> I mean, in a perfect world, I'd love to tell every single woman that has that problem, don't hire that client and move on, right? Mm -hmm. Like, that's what you want to say. But then there's the reality of like, but you need work. And you might actually want to, for lack of better words, prove something, right? I'm not saying we need to go out and prove, but like, um, I feel that, right? Like, so I think what we've what we really just try to do is listen to all these little things, right? Um, is is the concern is the concern really what a woman should wear when they're painting or estimating or whatever? Okay, cool. Well, let's like dig into that. What are our options? Like, what should that look like? Not saying we're going to standardize it, but but can we bring resources? Like, do we need to reach out to Dickies and have a hard conversation with them about like making sure that there's proper paint or whites for women? Like it. If that's the conversation, we, you know, so I think we're still in the information gathering stage, um, not to hone in on the clothing thing. I, I think another one would be sales, right? Like in-home sales. So do, do women perceive that, again, like you said, because it's different, the homeowner doesn't know how they should feel about it. Okay, well then let's have some sales training, right? Like sales training, meaning based on your audience, based on where you live, based on what you're selling, um, are there things we can do in the sales process to slowly circumvent or chip away at these? Cause it's just cognitive dissonance, right? Exactly. The human brain is lazy and the homeowner doesn't want to have to decide whether or not the female painter is or the female estimator, whatever it is, is as good as the male that they're used to or that they expected because the industry is predominantly men, right? Um, so what can we do in the sales process? What can we do in the onboarding process? I mean, there's so many, or what can we do like you were saying to, to capitalize it and own it? There's a girl in town uh, in Nashville. Her company is called That Paint Girl. That is the name of her company. She's got fantastic marketing because she just owns the fact that she is that paint girl. <laughs> yeah. you know so whether it's in your marketing you know again so we're still gathering the information of like what areas and what what networking can we create for these women to combat this yeah i think that that paint girl is really interesting too because if <laughs> you if you have that as your branding 
then and and the name of your company and you brand around that, you are not going to you're you're highly unlikely to show up to a homeowner's house who has that issue. Right. So you're already essentially pre-qualifying and disqualifying yeah. people who are not going to like you for that reason. Yeah, for sure. And this idea of cognitive dissonance, just being you perceive, you know, you expect something to go one way and now it goes a different way. So it raises concerns. We as human beings, we're, we're very cautious. We, we see downside much more than upside. That's why we worry so much. That's why, you know, we have all this, um, advice to, Hey, live in the present, you know, make sure you're happy, but we're always planning and, and worrying about what could happen. That's because that's how we've survived. You know, we worry about the threats, the threats, worrying about the threats is what keeps you alive. Not thinking about how happy you are right now. And then the lion comes up and eats you, you know, you, you worry <laughs> about oh, what was that rustle in the bushes. Yeah. Right. And so this, this, uh, it all comes down to trust, right? So establishing trust with the homeowner. So I would, we work with a, a number of painting companies who employ uh, female estimators. And what we find is establish that trust early and often. You know, it's the same thing we we tell really any painting company owner. You know, have those have your your marketing right. Have the messaging that goes out. We use little videos and everything that goes out before you show up. Have that stuff so dialed in. And as a female, if you know there's a potential for a lack of trust or a reduction in trust because I'm a female estimator, then get even better at your sales process. Get even better at that sales process before you show up. Have the video of you as a female saying something so there's not a surprise now. When you mm -hmm. show up, there's no, oh my gosh, I expected, you know, Chuck, right? And it's some, it's someone else. So show up differently, but just, I guess, be better. And maybe that's, maybe that's not the answer. Maybe that's not a fair answer, but you should be better anyways. This industry overall, the bar is, is much lower than it should be on sales and marketing. So use this opportunity. Like, Hey, I feel like maybe a leg down. Well then just become really, really good at your sales process. And you'll end up way farther ahead than if maybe you, you had won a higher percentage of your estimates or you didn't have this, I guess, this seemingly disadvantage in the beginning. What are your thoughts on that? Absolutely. I mean, um, like turn like a weakness into a strength. Yeah. 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 And you can't bottom line, you can't control other people like period. Yeah. <laughs> um, so if some, if you go into a, let's stay out of a home, let's go into commercial repaint. If I go into a property manager and he had a horrible relationship with his mother, I don't know these things, right? Sure. But I'm setting this up, right? Horrible relationship um, with his mother and divorced twice and has two daughters who are absolute turds, right? So like women suck to this guy. <laughs> Like his brain is now wired to assume that women are not life-giving to him. I can't control that. Yeah. Like in my 30 minutes walking this property with him, I don't care how good I am. I'm not going to be able to disrupt 30, 40, however many years of, of created stories and um, opinions and feelings in his head. Maybe I can tweak it a little bit because he needs a women-owned company to do this <laughs> to meet compliant. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Um, but like in the end, I can't change that. And, and so then, you know, that's where you have to be really, Matt and I have talked about this a lot recently since, since our last episode with you, the emotional intelligence of a business owner, that's where you have to be emotionally intelligent enough to say, that's unfortunate, but it doesn't, it's not a reflection of me or, sure. you know, 
yeah, that's unfortunate. It's not a reflection of me, but are there things that I could have done? Like you were saying, could I have led with a video? Could I have, um, you, you can't sit around and be like, people suck. Being a woman is so hard, Bleh. you know, like all these whiny things. You're just like, well, that's, unf- you know, hurt people, hurt people. And um, I'm just going to take every failed opportunity as reflection of, is there anything, anything I could have done better or could do better? There's a, uh, there is, do you watch the office? Maybe, maybe. So there, it, maybe it, a lot. Yeah. I, I thought you did. So I, I watch it a lot as well. And so there's that episode with Dwight when he's applying for the positions, Michael, let him go. And he goes into that, that female's office with all the pink. She's like, yeah. describe yourself in three words. And I just looked it up. I want to get it right. It's like working, hardworking, alpha male, jackhammer, merciless. And then like pause insatiable and it just shows her office <laughs> it's just like just a total okay. disconnect between who he's selling to and how he's positioning it but like you said if you're if you're there and this this guy has had a lot of negative experiences with women and he doesn't like women yeah you can't you know you can't change that and you can't sometimes change it. it's women i mean we got fired oh, by a client that's interesting and it was a female and she called us flipping out because there was a female painter on the job and she's like, this girl doesn't know what she's doing. You got to get her out of here. And I'm thinking this girl's one of my best painters, but like, okay, you know, if you're really that, I mean, she just. The woman had a problem (laughs) because your painter was a woman. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But again, I'm like, all right, she's something, something happened. Like, I don't know what it is, but something's happened and I'm not going to be a part of the, whatever happened sure, and sure. we're going to finish what we did and thank you. And not something happened between her and my painter, but something in her life, in her life yeah, made her not trust having a female in her home. Sure. Yeah. Again, to your point, trust. Yeah. But when you were saying, you know, Hey, maybe he needs to hire, maybe this guy who is really not a great fit for you to be providing the estimate, maybe he does need to hire a female owned company. So when you, when you are working with someone, this is just sales in general, you can try to position yourself to meet their needs, to meet whatever their needs are. That that right there was a perfect example of this guy might not like the fact that you're a female providing this estimate, but he might actually need it. And you might still want the project because million dollar project or whatnot. And so you, you find a way to win anyways. Yeah. And you create boundaries. Um, You know, you, make those there's all these like uh, buzzwords in our industry right about like relational selling and transactional selling and we obviously especially being a being a woman i err on the side and naturally gravitate toward relational selling um our our company is is founded on relational selling but every once in a while i'm like and now we've created a transaction <laughs> like and now we've entered into the you need liquid on your walls and i want your paycheck and that's yeah. the end of this conversation. <laughs> you got there. Right. Yeah. But again, the emotional intelligence to not take it personally, right? To not make it about something, to just acknowledge that I don't know what this person has gone through or will go through or has experienced. Therefore, um, I'm going to take this, I'm going to take this and build a boundary and create um, a transaction. So let's touch base quickly on the Women in Paint Conference. I did. It occurred in Nashville at the same time as a commercial paint conference. I may or may not have snuck in a handful of times for a handful of presentations. Nigel told me I couldn't, but I did. And <laughs> it was me and, and like 120 women. And that was the room. It was and awesome. It was awesome. 
Yeah. The, the content, it couldn't have been more different. My goodness. The commercial paint next door <laughs> yeah. and the women in paint, that was like alternate universes going from one to the other was jarring. Well, and the fun part about that, particularly just side note on that. So Calvin Pate ran or, you know, was kind of the brains behind the commercial and Calvin's a dear friend, um, runs Harrison paint. He's a CEO of Harrison painting down in Atlanta. They're huge. And he and I would just laugh. Right. Cause it was, you know, I'm over here like, well, I've got to make sure like the lady for the sound bath has the proper way to get in and like get everything set up. And he was like, well, what time's the lawyer showing up and how much does he cost? Like (laughs) so different. It was like living inside of a Saturday night live skit or something going back and forth between those two. One smelled differently. Like you were much nicer than women to paint. The men were very yucky. It smelled lovely. And then you go in the man's room. It just smelled like man. Sorry, I yeah. just called it the man's room, the commercial room. Commercial room, yes. I think so, yeah. there were three women in there. It's fine. There were, yes. So the, uh, but the women at Paint, let's just quickly touch on what that was. You know, is it happening again? Let's kind of get give mm-hmm. a, a brief overview of it and maybe a plug for it. Yeah. Um, so as I mentioned, you know, this this kind of all formed out of, um, of happenstance, this women in Paint. Um, and, and we're still figuring out to be frank and honest, how we can best support the women in the industry, elevate the women in the industry. Um, So one of our big initiatives was this conference. We've got some women that are actually employees of our vendors, Sherwin and Bear specifically have women kind of on our planning committee. And we all got together uh, actually just about a year ago about women in paint. They all flew into Nashville, brought some other women contractors, and we just sat in a boardroom and figured out how we can support women and what is women in paint. And so we are still kind of unfolding that definition and and what this initiative could be. But our big thing was we need to get everyone together. Like we just need to start there. And so we created the women. PCA was, is just awesome about like, go, like, what do you need? Run with it. Um, which I'm so grateful for. And so they helped orchestrate this women in paint conference. We were like, I hope like 40 or 50 women show up. That'd be like amazing. And there was, yeah, over a hundred women and probably another hundred more that wanted to attend, but couldn't for various reasons. And so we got together and it was called, the theme was lead fully, grow fully, uh, or grow fully, lead fully. So it was backwards. And so it was kind of this, this balance of like, creating you as a business owner, as a um, entrepreneur, as a painting contractor, as a female, as a husband or as a wife, as a, as a mother, all these facets that we carry um, kind of stretching the content of those so that then you can go forth and lead. Right. So we had, we had Linnea Blair talked about money (laughs) and Tara Riley talked about business structures and systems. And then my own personal counselor came and spoke about boundaries. And then we had a sound bath to learn about, you know, ways to, to level your emotions and to center yourself when you feel overwhelmed. Like it was just so many different things that we covered and it was, um, it was awesome. It was so great to see these women gather and be vulnerable and find a safe place and grow professionally. It was Awesome. So we're going to have another one um, later this year. Details to come. Uh, again, this is nobody's main job. <laughs> this is um, this is not something that 
you know, I'm fully employed to do or employed at all to do. So, you know, building the pieces of what the next conference looks like is still underway. So we'll be sure and share more information, but we're all going to get together again. And then in February at the PCA Expo, there will be a women in paint happy hour. Thanks to Bear, who loves to sponsor women in paint. And so that'll be the next opportunity for everyone to get together. Excellent. Yeah. From my very limited experience with women to paint, it was a tremendous event. The yeah. one question I have, what is a sound bath? Right. It's <laughs> a good question. <laughs> I don't know. It was like a, uh, like pr pretend you turn on a sound machine app, like on Spotify or something. And there's like all these noises and you work on just like, quieting the world and allowing yourself to be like centered. It's, I guess, kind of a meditation tactic, but she brings all these like bowls and drums and noise sound things. Yes. Definitely was not happening in the commercial painting. Conference. <laughs> no. Definitely not. But it sounds very neat is Maggie, as we wrap up this episode of female entrepreneurship and empowerment uh, within the trades painting specifically, is there anything else that you would like to add? I would just love um, anyone who's still hung on this long to the podcast to, that has any ideas, um, feedback, anything that that they may have input on as to how we can best support women in the industry. I would love to hear it. Um, I've got a parking lot, right? Like a document where I just park all the information and hopefully as we continue to build stuff out, we can chip away at it. Or if anyone's interested in helping, you know, sit down and be part of the brainstorms definitely open and willing to that. That'd be incredible. Yeah. Maggie does a tremendous amount for the PCA. She does it voluntarily and freely and she is somewhat single-handedly, maybe not single-handedly, but taking a large, a large role here in the women in paint building. So if you're listening to this and you're super passionate about it, I'm sure she would love to discuss that with you. Yep. Maggie, I appreciate you. Thank you. I feel I like gotcha. this episode was a, was a unique one for me. I feel like I was kind of, Felt, felt a little dodgy and I was confident as I usually do, but yeah, <laughs> uh, I, th I think we got some really good points across and hopefully not too many, hopefully not too many offended people. You did great. Well, I think you did much better, but <laughs> thank you, Maggie. I appreciate your time and your expertise as always. If you want to learn more about the topics we discussed in this podcast and how you can use them to grow your painting business, visit paintermarketingpros.com forward slash podcast for free training as well as the ability to schedule a personalized strategy session for your painting company. Again, that URL is paintermarketingpros.com forward slash podcast. Hey there, painting company owners. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure you go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Give us your feedback. Let us know how we did. And also, if you're interested in taking your painting business to the next level, make sure you visit the Painter Marketing Pros website at paintermarketingpros.com to learn more about our services. You can also reach out to me directly by emailing me at brandon at paintermarketingpros.com and I can give you personalized advice on growing your painting business. Until next time, keep growing. Painet podcasts are produced by the Painting Contractors Association and are made possible by members and industry partners. To find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining PCA, visit PCAPainted.org.